Somebody suggested that I should start my message by walking on the water where the baptismal plan. I told them if Jesus shows up, I'm there. I do want to begin this morning uh, by sharing a spoiler alert. So if you don't like, you know, to know what's going to happen at the end, you can close your ears for 10 seconds. 10 seconds only. Here's the spoiler alert. We're doing the, ex- the exciting story this morning of Jesus walking on the water and Peter's response and the response of the other disciples and our response. At the end of the story in the Bible, the disciples worship Jesus. And I hope that's exactly what we will do as well. You'll notice we didn't have as many songs in the beginning as we usually do. That's because they're going to, we're going to have some at the end. We're going to have the opportunity to do just what the disciples did. We're going to have the opportunity to look at what Jesus has done and then worship him. So get ready for that. Get yourselves all pumped up and thinking about how great Jesus is and how worthy of our worship he is. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Several years ago, my sister went to heaven and she was the last remaining member of my family in my generation or the generation before. And so all the documents of the family kind of ended up with me. And it was kind of interesting looking over those things, um, especially from from my own perspective. I, I got to see that I was enrolled in the cradle role at a church when I was three. And I was very excited about that. I saw my name there. I got to see my... Uh, graduation certificate from pre-K. I got to see my first grade report card, although that did say Gary talks too much in class. (laughs) What did she know? But I also saw a number of documents that my parents had given me like my first birthday card, my second birthday card, a Christmas card. And you know, I saw something the same on every single one. They'd sign it, love mom and dad, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Now as a one-year-old, of course, I was very moved by that. (laughs) Looked up the verse. No, I didn't know anything about it then. But I do now. And I am so thankful that that is the legacy that my parents wanted for me, to trust in the Lord with all my heart, because that's the most important thing in how we live life. Will we trust in the Lord with all our heart, all our life? I thank them for giving me that legacy, and it's the legacy I seek to pass to my children. And my grandchildren, I'm getting choked up already, it's terrible. Hannah, you shouldn't have sat so close. (laughs) Also, as I was a young person, 
they instilled trust in me in many ways, but it was hard for them to get me to trust myself in the water. I was just petrified of the water. And maybe for that reason, I thought the story about Peter walking on the water in response to Jesus walking on the water was especially moving as far as the area of trust. How could anybody do that? Step out of a boat and walk on the water or from Jesus to walk from the shore out in the middle of a storm. How could they do that? I'm scared of water. When I was six or seven, my parents realized I couldn't swim. They thought I was hopeless as far as them teaching me, so they sent me to the Y. So I went to the Westfield, New Jersey YMCA and I took Polywog One. <laughs> I think I am the first person in the history of Westfield YMCA that failed Polywog One. <laughs> Two times! It didn't get much better when I got older. I went to, went to college and, and uh, I was in an aquatics class. Why I signed up for that, I have no idea. But we went to this huge pool and I got an A in the class. But that's only because the first day there, I looked at the pool, looked at the water and said, is there anything else I can do? Can I write a report? You know, no, you got to get in the water. And so they graded on how much you improved over the time. So by the last week, I actually jumped into the deep end and flailed wildly, not wanting to die and ending up on the other side. I was safe. They gave me an A. And then we, I met the love of my life and we got married. We went on vacation to a tropical island and there was a um, outing that we could go on, uh, one of snorkeling. Now, I had gone snorkeling once before in a very controlled area, small area where uh, there's a guide right there and I don't have to worry about anything and it'll be fine. So I thought, sure, I'll do that. That sounds like fun. So we, we got on a boat. And it was a beautiful day, beautiful boat. They introduced us to our big, strong leader who was going to rescue us if we needed anything. I thought, I'm going to be fine. We, we, we got on the boat, and we traveled a half mile around to the other side of the island. We got out, and I was ready. You can show that picture if you want. Okay, I'm going to be safe. I'm going to be sa I know I can do this. I'm going to do this. And I, I mean, I love seeing the beauty that, that God creates and those, all those little fish and the many colors and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I, I went into the water. However, I got a little scared. I got a little panicky when I started sensing that the water was coming down that pipe that I had there. And I thought, I'm going to drown. I'm going to drown. I start panicking and flailing around. And I was in a bad way. So there was a guy who came along, our leader. We called him Tarzan. You'll see why in a couple minutes. And he came over to me and he picked me up by this. said, roll over on your back. Okay, so I rolled over on my back. He said, you know, we're not taking the boat back to the other side of the island. We've got to swim there. I said, oh, no. I can't do that. He said, just roll over on your back. Roll over on your back. 
he grabbed that thing and he swam with me, and everybody else swimming on their own, but he swam with me, holding on to that thing and dragging me a half mile around to the other side of the island. At the end of it, I was kind of wiped out, you could say. I was scared to death. Maybe we could show a picture of what that looked like. That was me and Tarzan. I'm the one on the right. (laughs) But you know what? In real life, in all of life, we do need somebody strong to get a hold of us and take us. To tell us sometimes, roll over on your back and just let me take you. Trust in me. I have wonderful things for you. And that's what Jesus did. And I praise his name for that. Lord, I thank you that we can trust you in every circumstance. Lord, help us to trust you more even after this morning. Help us to worship you more, even more after this morning. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look at our passage, Matthew chapter 14, 22 to 23. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain himself, by himself, to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now, and and where was I? 24, right? Yes. I'm deciding whether to read what's on the back or read what's here. I'm going to read here. (laughs) But the boat was now in the middle of the sea. Tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. On the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost! And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Let me give you some context for this story. At the beginning of the day, Jesus got the news that his cousin, John the Baptist, had been beheaded. What an awful way to start a day. But then crowds gathered 5,000 men plus women and children, so who knows how many there were. Many, many. And Jesus took some loaves and bread, a few, 
parted them and, and, and everyone was able to eat. He fed the 5,000. Two biggies in the same day. Then some people came along and they wanted to take Jesus by force and make him the king. Maybe he'll overthrow the Romans, they thought. That wasn't Jesus' plan. And then he tells the disciples to go get in a boat and go to the other side. Go to where we're going to have our next meeting. For the disciples, that would have been a big thing. Why is Jesus telling us to do that? It was a big day, quite a day. We're going to look at it with three things. Three ways of organizing this chapter. One is that Jesus is always there. So trust in his name, even when we don't see him. There are times when we don't see Jesus functioning, and yet he really does. He's there, but we just don't see it. And then we're going to see that there are times when we do see him. He's there, but maybe we find some excuse not to follow, or we try to rationalize and say, well, yeah, I know he's there, but maybe it's really just natural causes or something like that. But whether we see him or we don't see him, Jesus is always there. And so we have to determine how we're going to respond to that fact that Jesus is always there for and with us. So let's begin to look at Jesus is always there even when we don't see him. Have you ever been in a place where you feel like you haven't had an answer to prayer? You ever been in a place where you just don't understand what the Lord is doing because such terrible things are happening either in your personal life or in the world around you? Things seem like they're chaotic and you just don't know where to go next. Well, the disciples may have started to feel a little bit of that in verse 22 when Jesus says, immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat, go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. If I'm one of the disciples, I'm thinking, Jesus, come on. This, this thing is growing. This is big. You've got to be there. You're the man. Why are you sending us out all by ourselves to go to the next meeting? They must have been a little wondering. Did, confused, scared, abandoned. Maybe they thought Jesus was going to get in an Uber and meet them on the other side. But for them, it would have been kind of scary, I assume. But look what's in verse 23. And when he had seen, sent the disciples away, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. And when evening had come, he was alone there. Jesus went to pray. First of all, that's a great example for us. If, if God himself, the Son of God, sees a need to pray, so should we. But beyond that, what do you think he was praying about? Sure, he could have been thinking about the death of his cousin. He could have been thinking about the, the lives of the families that were just touched by the feeding of the 5,000. But I'll bet a big part of his prayer was for those disciples that he had just sent out on that boat. 
He was up on a mountain. He could see down. He could see the storm. He probably could even see the boat out there. He could see them, and he was praying for them. Jesus was there. They couldn't see him, but he could see them. That's the way it is always with us when we don't see Jesus. We may not see him, but he sees us. He looks out. He knows we're there. He cares. He sees. He's there. Praise God. Hebrews 7.25 says Jesus, about Jesus, it says he ever lives to make intercession for us. Can you imagine that? The Son of God is making intercession for us to the Father. Wow! Jesus is always there and there in a big way. But then a major crisis happens. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. They must have been wondering, Jesus, not only did you send us out here, you can feed 5,000 people. Why'd you let the storm happen? Why'd you leave us out there by ourselves? This is terrible. What, What will we do? Where is Jesus? Where is he when you need him? But he was there. And he has promised them And he has promised us, I am with you always. Their absence from seeing the physical presence of Jesus is not going to last long, however. Verse 25, Jesus is always there when we do see him. So verse 25 says, Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Now that's showing up in a big way. He knew how to make an entrance. It was the fourth watch. The fourth watch refers to a time period from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. And realize they had left before sunset the previous day. So they were out on this boat for like 12 hours, had, had made it maybe three miles in, in, in 12 hours, rowing like crazy. They must have been so exhausted, so tired, and so worried for their lives. And nothing had happened to save them. My biggest issue with trusting is timing. Like, why doesn't the Lord do it now? I'm sick, I want to be healed now. I want this problem to go away now. We think of prodigals that are away and we want them to come back now. We want all our problems to be solved now. That's the way we are. And we say we trust God. But we have to trust him for his timing as well as for what he's going to do. It's not a matter of us deciding this is what has to happen and this is when it has to happen and I'll trust it and it'll happen. It's a matter of trusting him to do what's best. The right time, the right way, 
and in his power. That's what trusting Jesus is all about. Trusting in Jesus has to do with trusting in his name. Because his name signifies who he is. It's not just those things he can do for you. It's who he is. He's the lover of our souls, the one who, who came to earth, who died on the cross for our sins, who, who rose again, who has making heaven for us even now. It's personal. It's him we're trusting. It's not the things we want or the things we ask for. Though we should do that. The Bible tells us to ask for those things. In his will, in his time, in his way. Verse 26. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. Why is it that when God starts working, we try to make up some other explanation for why things are going on? Oh, yeah, I, I really thought of something really good and that made it happen, or, or the weather was better today, or whatever. Instead of looking at the fact that Jesus is there, Jesus is wanting to work in our lives right now, right at that moment. And so the disciples, they said, it's a ghost. Clearly, they must have been watching the movie Zombies from the Deep Dark Sea the night before. That's the first thing that came to mind. Now, I have to give them a little bit of a break that we might have responded in the same way had it happened to us, had we been there. And we do respond that way sometimes. We look for other explanations other than the fact that Jesus is there and we can respond to him. Verse 26. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately, verse 27, Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Well, that must have been a comfort for them. It's not a ghost. It really is Jesus. Well, even that might have been a little scary at first. But there's three cool phrases in that verse. One is, be not afraid. You've heard that before, you know, when the shepherds were told that when Jesus was born and the angels appeared and stuff like that. Do you know how many times the phrase, be not afraid, is said in the Bible? Some of you may know, but you, anybody know how many times? You probably do, and you're just being modest. You don't want to brag that you know. 365 times. 365 times. Does that number sound familiar? Every single day, we can take that to heart. 365 days a year, we can take it to heart. We don't need to be afraid because Jesus is there. And then the phrase, be of good cheer. Jesus doesn't want us to just be on the defensive, like things are so terrible, I got to get back to normal, uh, I don't want to be afraid. Well, that's good. But he says, be of good cheer. We need to be on the offensive, seeing the great things that God wants to do in our lives, the great things that he's doing. Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. And then, to me, the best phrase of all in there, he says, it is I the confidence that he is giving them is that it's, it's he 
who is the solution to their fear. And that has to be what it is for us. It's not so much how much faith we have. Oh, yes, we should, we should increase our faith. We should work on our faith. We should allow God to, to give us more faith. But the key is, who is the faith in? Our faith is in him. If it's all about our faith, then we can look at ourselves and brag that we did something. If it's all about our faith, it's eventually going to fail. But if it's about him, the object of our faith, and we're making sure that what we're having faith in is not that things will turn out all right according to our view, but rather that it is he who will make things turn out the best. That's the faith that we can have. That's who our faith can be in. Verse 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. That's a pretty bold statement. Now, it's time for audience participation. If we could put that, go ahead and put that up, Sharon, that would be great. A, B, C, and D. Can we put that all up at once or no? Well, Okay, well, we'll just have to do it one at a time. What do you think Peter's attitude was at this point? Do you think this was Peter being impulsive, as he often is? He's the one that went and chopped the ear off of the Roman trying to come in. He's, that's Peter being Peter. Or B, was it an evidence of complete trust? He was just saying, he, he trusted that it was Jesus so much that he would walk out to him. Do you think that was a statement of complete trust? Or C, he was still checking Jesus out because he says, if it is you, tell me to walk on the water. Or D, it was bravado. He was bragging. He was trying to call Jesus bluff. Yeah, if you're really Jesus, make me walk on the water too. Okay, I'll read the statement. I'll read the verse again. Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Do you th how many think it was A? It was A. The one with, where you could roll that back if you can. Great. Peter being impulsive. That's the way Peter is. Peter talks like that. All right. Well, the two people in the know. Okay. B. Evidence of complete trust. This is a, just a fully trusting statement. Well, three, four people think that's C. Still checking Jesus out, if it is you. Okay, ooh, more people. Ooh, that's the biggest one yet. Okay, or D. He was just bluffing. He didn't really think Jesus was going to do that. One brave soul. Good for you. I, I think I'm with you. Uh, no, I, I don't know. It's not that there's a right answer. I should have said that first, and that more people would have put their hands up. They were you're afraid to put your hands up because it might be the wrong answer. There is no right answer about that. In fact, what I believe is that it was all four of those things because we all are complicated people. We need to reach out to Jesus. We need to trust him. And if we wait until everything's just perfect, even about ourselves, to trust him, we won't get anywhere. At least Peter did something. He stepped out of the boat. He got going. And that was very important. He did something. Then verse 29. So, he, so Jesus said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. 
What a great thing to be told by Jesus. Come. He told Peter to come from the boat. Jesus tells us to come to him. Isn't that wonderful? The Lord of glory tells us to come to him, just as he did for Peter. Matthew 11, it says, Come all who are weak and heavy laden. That's me. Let the children come in Matthew 19. Thirsty, come and drink. John 17. Revelation 22, 17. Let me just read that one. It's great. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. And whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Jesus is an inviting God to us. It's not that we have to reach our way up to him. He's reaching out to us. He's inviting us. He says, come. Praise God. Praise God. And so it starts off pretty good for for Peter. He gets out and he does, in fact, walk on the water. He must have been thrilled. I'm sure many of you are can think right away of some exciting times when Jesus has done wonderful things in your life and that's so thrilling and it must have been thrilling for Peter. But then verse 30 happens. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. We have lots of storms in our life. And sometimes things start out all right. We respond well at first, but then something happens. What happened? What happened with Peter? It was the same storm that he stepped out and had the faith to step out on the water for. The wind and the waves were there before he stepped out. The winds and the waves were there afterwards. But something changed. His focus. His focus changed. He started looking at the troubles, the wind, the waves. There's a lot that we could look at in that same regard. In the troubled sea of life, as it were. We could look on the news and we see a a train wreck in Ohio and see all that poison being let loose. We could see tens of thousands killed in Turkey. We could see all sorts of problems in our culture. We could see violence in the streets. We could see war in Ukraine and other places. Or we could look in our own lives and we could see problems with health or problems with raising children or problems with broken relationships. And if we take our eyes off of Jesus and his ability to love us, give us the strength, give us the answers, and we start looking at those problems, we will be just like Peter, and we've been just like Peter, and we start to go under the water. But here's the good news. This is not the end for Peter. This is not the end for us either. Peter said, Lord, save me. And it says that Jesus reached out his hand and saved him. We can do the exact same thing. When we feel like all those things in life 
are just weighing down on us. We get kind of depressed about it with some logical good reason if there wasn't Jesus. But there is Jesus. And we, he reaches out to us and we can respond to him with, Lord, save me. That's how we became Christians. The Christian message and how we become a Christian is this. If we confess that we're sinners and we realize we can't do anything about that sin problem in our life, we we repent of that and we say we don't want to go that route anymore. And then we trust that Jesus died on the cross to take our sins that by believing on him, we can have eternal life. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's a wonderful pattern of life as well. But first, if there's anyone in this room that is not sure that you are a Christian according to what the Bible says being a Christian is, confessing, repenting, trusting, If you're not sure you're a Christian, please come talk to me afterwards or someone else that you know here. My wife has some Gospels of John she'd be glad to give to you. We'd love to talk to you about that. But in addition to that being the the heart of the Gospel, it's also a model for how we're to live our lives. We should confess. Confess that we're we're unable to live this life. Just like we were unable to take care of our sins, we're unable to, to take care of all the problems that come down in our life. We should repent. We should repent of thinking that we were so great and so strong and, and we could figure everything out on our own. And we should trust. We should trust the God who is able to take care of it. Praise his name. Reminds me of a story of a, of a preacher who was going to give a message. And when he first heard about the message, he was so excited about that message. It was so wonderful. The the subject matter, it it gave glory to God. It says, God is so awesome. So excited about the message. But then he started to worry. Maybe, what if I don't say it right? What if I forget to say something? What if someone's offended by something that I say? What if, what if, what if? And then he starts feeling a pain in his eye because he has a sty and, and, and then he feels pain in his feet because he has a gout flare and then he has the, all the symptoms of IBS and we won't go into what that is. <laughs> and, and, and then his back starts to hurt him and he has to sit down in certain ways. But then he said, Lord, save me. And he did. And he's giving the message right now. (laughs) God is wonderful. The Lord Jesus is so wonderful. Verse 31. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I feel a little sorry for Peter there. I don't know whether anybody else feels that way or not. You know, like, why is he saying that to Peter? I mean, at least Peter got out of the boat. The other disciples are sitting back saying, oh, I'm going to check this out from the sidelines, guys. You know. Peter got out, stepped on, stepped on the water. And Jesus says to him, you of little faith, 
What that says to me is that all of us, all of us have a lot to learn. All of us can grow in our faith. All of us need to, to give more and more of our lives to Jesus. And you know what? Who do you think got the most benefit out of that circumstance? The disciples who sat and watched or the disciple that stepped out? I think the disciple that stepped out. He's learning. He's growing. And that's how we grow. We step out. We start to do what God has told us to do. And then we find out that he has even more and great stuff for us. Verse 32. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. What an encouragement that must have been. (laughs) This guy really is the Lord. He is God. Verse 33. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Do you know what? That's the first time that the disciples ever worshipped Jesus. At least it's the first time that it's recorded. They, they thought he was good. They followed him. They even obeyed him. They respected him. But we're never told that they worshipped him until this. It took the, took the walking on the water for them to worship him. So what is it going to take us to give him the worship he deserves? Is it the walk story of the walking on the water? Is it something that happens in our life? Just let it be now. Let it be now. Let's worship him more. Let's trust him. He is so worthy of our trust. The worship team can start coming up so that we can have some time of worship after this. You know, I've admitted that I can't swim. I admitted that I needed to roll over and have somebody else carry me. But I also admit that I can't live life in my own power. I need to roll over and let Jesus take care of me. We all can do that. We'll try, we'll fail like Peter did, but then we can say, Jesus, save me. And he does. Trust in the name of Jesus with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct our paths. Father, we admit that we can't live life in our own power. We've also admitted that We can't take care of our sin problem without trusting you fully for it. So Lord, we are just dependent fully on you. That's our aspiration, Lord. We want to be like that. And we also want to be like the disciples who finally got it and worshipped you. We want to worship you. Lord, I know that worship, we sometimes equate with music. And it's not the same, it's just part of it. We want to do that part this morning at least and worship you with our hearts as we sing. Lord, we want to worship you by giving you our whole lives, all of it. We want to serve you and thereby worship you with our lives. Thank you for all you've done for us, all you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen.